Hi, I'm Keenan. And I'm Rachel. And on this episode of Part of Our World podcast, we will be reviewing Disney's latest theatrical release, Frozen, Frozen 2. 2. Uh, if you are familiar with our review format but haven't heard the past couple reviews we've done, we used to do a little um, spoiler-free review where we kind of recap the the gist of the film and gave our scores. We have abandoned that format, and we are going to launch right into a full-on spoil-filled review. So if you have not seen Frozen 2 yet, hit the pause button and come back when you have. The night is dark and full of spoilers. So let's just jump right into kind of our thoughts about the movie. Um, We are going to try to kind of compartmentalize it a little bit and talk about um, the categories of the plot and the animation and the music. Mm -hmm. So, So yeah, we saw it yesterday. We're enjoying the day after Thanksgiving in our jammies and had lots of time to process Although I would have loved to have left the theater and immediately recorded our review, which we've done in the past. And we're actually kind of a week behind this one. Usually we try to get these out the weekend of the release. Um, But it is our Thanksgiving Day tradition to go see an early morning, whatever the Disney movie is, the Disney Thanksgiving release. We see it on Thanksgiving Day with the cousins, and it's a great tradition. And so we had to wait to watch Frozen 2 to keep the tradition. And was it worth the wait, Keenan? Oh, yeah, for sure. It was, I think, a really fantastic movie overall. I have my qualms with it, which we'll get into in a little bit. But overall, excellent film. I'd say among, since we've started this tradition, it's among the top films we've seen on Thanksgiving Day. Doesn't beat out Coco. Right, and like the top two Top two of three. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have we only seen three? I was thinking it was four. But yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. But. So it beats out Rough Breaks the Internet and that's it. <laughs> for sure. Blows it out of the water. Okay. So, no pun so, intended. So why? What's, let's talk about what makes this film so great. Oh, I don't. It just. I just think. They did an amazing job. You know, they waited six years between and, um, you know, it's been big since then. And they've really done a lot with, you know, hyping the characters and, you know, you get to, you know, just around the parks and Mm -hmm. merchandise and all that stuff. But it's like just going back. We So the night before we watched Frozen 1. Mm hmm. And I don't know, to just see, you know, they pick up, it's in like real time. So it's six years later and just, you know, what they've gone through and I'm not making sense. No, Yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest takeaway for me of why this film was good is how they handled the gap in time, the maturity of the characters and, you know, just 
like a theme of it was change is hard. And here's how you kind of persevere despite everything around you changing as you grow older and deal with bigger issues, bigger, harder things to overcome, more deep seated stuff and grief and regret. And yeah, yeah, there were just lots of deep themes. I, I felt like one comment I made after the film was that I felt like the the writers of this film expected their audience to grow old with the the characters. And it was almost targeted to those children who fell in love with the first film and really wanted to see. And adults. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But the target audience sure, being yeah, the kids. Because it's yeah. like, you know, you've grown up and there's different things in the world that you're having to figure out. But I liked that each character had something that they were trying to figure out. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously Elsa being the main one and the crux of the film, but you know, everyone had something they were kind of going through and had to process and, um, and there was some background story, you know, some untold story from the first film, which I do like when they do that, if they do it well, it adds a lot of depth. And I think, you know, these characters that we care so much about, it's like, we just dive even deeper into them and they just do a really good job of um, expanding on those and mm-hmm. yeah they make the comment at the end of the movie and I don't know if this was like a meta joke or whatever but about how yeah we're done they say at the end right. and, I kinda, like and I kind of felt like yeah this is this is a nice end to it but I also wouldn't be surprised if they had a third film made it a trilogy and that this was like the Empire Strikes Back of their Frozen trilogy because it was kind of dark and foreboding and dealing with like I said those complex themes in fact Thematically, I think it might be the most impressive um, film that Disney has done in the past decade. And I mean, Disney, not Pixar. I think like their themes were on par with a lot of themes that Pixar attempts to tackle and usually very successfully. Like going back to Ralph Breaks the Internet, it's like they had some themes of like friendship and stuff, but it was just kind of zany fun and Mm -hmm. and somewhat superficial. Whereas like these had. Yeah, this was like roots. Yeah, which that's something we love about Pixar films is, you know, they do tug at the heartstrings and um, there are deep themes. And yeah, I think you're right about that, that this film has that as well. I've just I just overall was pretty blown away by it. And I would not be surprised going back to what you said about a third Frozen. I wouldn't be surprised if in another six years they release a Frozen three just um, hate to say it, but just, you know, they can make millions and millions and millions oh, of dollars yeah. doing that because yeah. it's such a beloved franchise. Um, and I think they could do, you know, I would like, I would assume it would be like into like Toy Story 4 where maybe you don't need it. They'll do a good job with it. Yeah. But, you know, we're getting I, ahead of ourselves. We are getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but I mean, you, you bring up a point that I think maybe concerns me a little bit is that if they did a third one, I wouldn't want it to be like Toy Story 4 because I feel like Toy Story 4 on that like thematic front that we're talking about is among the weaker Pixar films. Whereas like Frozen 2 doesn't really hold a candle to the lessons that maybe Inside Out is trying to teach. But I think it does a really good job, especially like considering a lot of these kids are going to be like middle schoolers, young high schoolers. It's dealing with just... um, complex issues that they're certainly going to be facing now that being said that's simultaneously a little bit of a critique of the film because i think about like our son 
and his cousin, who are, you know, three and four respectively, who probably got a little bit bored. Yeah. Throughout the film and didn't understand some of that. And it's okay that they didn't understand some of that stuff. But there were parts where it was like, oh, this is challenging to explain. Like at one point, well, the point when Olaf kind of fades away, he just looks over to Rachel and says, where's Olaf? Yeah. Like he didn't understand what had just happened. So, and I think about our, our friend's kid who is obsessed with Elsa right now. She's about to turn two. And I, I don't think I could recommend that they would take her to this film. It's yeah, it's tough, and there's some really scary stuff in it. And I don't think any of that's bad. I just think it's going to be a harder sell for this like younger generation, you know, to the point of like, is Frozen going to stand the test of time? I think I think the characters absolutely can. I mean, the testament of the two year old being obsessed with the first film really speaks to that. But for the two year old to get something out of this film, is going to take a couple years. So I don't yeah. know. They just got to kind of be careful with that, which is why we PG. need. True. It's PG. But this is also why they need that third Return of the Jedi. Bring the Ewoks in. <laughs> make it cute again, you know? Maybe. Could be good. I'm just saying. Could be good. Could be good. And I feel like there's unfinished business a little bit with the um, you know, reconciliation yeah. of the the two groups who were stuck in the forest. Right. And, you know, what is it like as Elsa, you know, begins What is it her... like in her shoes? Begins her reign in the north. Yeah, with Anna reigning. Arendelle. Arendelle. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, even though I think that's an issue, I don't think it, it hurts the my overall reaction to the film. I can tell you what does hurt my overall reaction to the film. Shall we go and, there? And and by the way, Rachel and I have not really talked about this. No, we have saved. We've tried to table as much conversation as possible, even though we had so much to say in the car. Where we're like, we'd start saying something like, blah, blah, no, we'll don't. just save it. And then we'd say, never mind. Yeah, because I mean, we didn't want to have this deep conversation about our reaction to the film and then have it be not real on the podcast. Like, let's, hey, let's rehash that, you know. Yeah. Convo we had in the car or whatever. So so here's one of my issues with the film. Main, major thing. I felt like the plot was super convoluted. And just a lot of stuff did not make sense. Like what? Well, like the water horse, which was an, a major plot device at the end of the film. Just kind of came out of nowhere. It's true. Why were there horses in the water? <laughs> I don't know. But there was lots of just stuff like that where it's like, I don't know. Uh, I'll give you another example. The um, It was kind of clear in the end that the mountain giants were like the rock and you had Gale was the wind and then the little fire salamander thing was fire and Elsa is the, f- is the fifth element, which I, and I, that was another thing I felt like a lot of it was pretty predictable. I knew they were going to have to break down the dam. I knew that Elsa was going to be the fifth element, which also kind of doesn't make sense because is the horse the water element and she's the fifth element because she tames it? I don't know. There's just like so much Maybe. of that like universe Yeah, so the stuff. horse is the water and she's the bridge, they said. Yeah, but also Anna's the bridge. She's the other My side point is, I, yeah. and I do need to see the film again. I will, I will admit that. We are actually going to see it here in a couple of weeks at a, a cool event that's so going excited. to... Yeah, going to have um, the characters and not official Disney, I don't think, but... Um, should be really exciting. Anyway, I, I will say that some of my gripes with the plot will probably be resolved by a second viewing. However, 
could be like the last Jedi effect where I was obsessed with that movie after the first watch through. And then the second watch through, I started to realize all the kind of plot holes and issues that people had with it. So it could get worse. Um, But anyway, I I just like the whole like elements thing. It's like, I don't know. It just seemed kind of trite with the gale and the fire. sound. it just seemed like they were just kind of throwing stuff in and not explaining it or having it make sense. And yeah, I could see that. And then there's times like when they're with the Natholdra people and it just kind of drags a little bit and they're kind of like, I think they're trying to explain some of that stuff that you have issues with and just like conversation. And for a kid, at least like they're, I mean, even for me, you know, I, there was parts that were a little bit boring and draggy and yeah, I think there were like kind of a lot of moving parts to the movie and they didn't all maybe go together as there were just there were a lot of elements no pun intended pun intended yes yeah i so you you said like a lot of it just there's a lot of moving parts and fitting all that together true but i also think just the lore behind everything they i think they had a loose plan of what the lore was supposed to look like but when it came to kind of putting it all together it was just sort of like eh, throw it in there it'll be cool well, I think, for, in my opinion, it's like some of it just it is kind of a lot to explain, and they have a limited time to do that in a kid's movie. So yeah. they had to kind of explain some stuff away or just not explain it at all. And then you're like, huh, water horse. But yeah, that does make sense. Looking on Wikipedia, she encounters and tames Knock the Water Spirit, who guards the sea to a hotel, a hotel on. I don't know how to I forget how that was pronounced, but yeah, there's just some. It's things. just kind of all over the place with that, with the lore and and that stuff. And I think that's what I'm saying. I think they're kind of building a sort of fascinating world here. Yeah, I think I was. And it could, kind I of... could be cool to extend the frozen universe a little bit and shed light. Right, and I think that I mean, there's you know, they definitely. I mean, obviously, there was already magic in the first film but they're really expanding on that and kind of getting into this lore and mystical world right. and there's just the so only many... magic in the first film was elsa yeah and this is like oh there is a whole world out there that elsa is connected to and just it's very deep and yeah it definitely goes far beyond anything we see in frozen one so i think that could be you know like those different even the different layers in the again I forget how it's pronounced. Yeah, but it's like, I don't know. Like the, the, what are the people called? Nathaldra. Nathaldra. Like they lived among the magic, but they couldn't do magic. And then Elsa and Anna's mom was among those people. And then she rescued their dad. And then they had Elsa. So Elsa does have magic. And that's why she's the fifth element. I don't know. It just, everything seemed like. Here's what it felt I'm like. Here if, for it it felt know. like, and it, again, our, our listeners are probably used to this. If you're if you're listening to us for the first time, this is what I do. I'm going to give this movie a glowing review in the end of it. However, the critic in me cannot help but point out all these kind of issues that I had with it, and one of them was that it just kind of like felt like a bunch of stuff they were trying to tie together, and then in the end, just sort of accepted it the way that it was without going the extra mile. Granted, it's a children's movie, 
and they didn't have really the time, nor did they want to take up screen time, I think, explaining some of this stuff. So they're, they're, they've got a cool universe that they're building here, but this movie, I think, needed some extra stuff to really ma- help make it click. And who knows? Maybe they had scenes that were left on the cutting room floor because they just didn't have time to fit it into an already lengthy children's movie. Right. Speaking of scenes in time, we didn't stay for the post credit scene. Oh, I didn't know there was a post credit scene. Yeah. So I so is, is this like confirming that there will be a Frozen 3? No. Okay. So what's no. the post credit scene? Well, I don't know if I should say. This is a spoiler-filled episode. We've already warned. Yeah, but people. we don't want to know, really. Because we're going to go see it again. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'll just wait. For and this. it wouldn't be a true review because we haven't actually seen it. But Does it explain some of the stuff that I'm complaining about? No. Okay. <laughs> but there is a post-credit scene. So make sure you stick around for that, as we did not. You know what's funny is we were there until the credits basically were finished rolling. We left. Right. At the tail end of the credits, because we always go down in front of the front screen at the end and dance. That's that's our that's son's thing. Yeah. Um, but we had to get to Thanksgiving dinner. Is that's why what we it did. was. <laughs> yep, that is what it was. We had somewhere to be. Anyway, All right. Well, okay. okay. So my big knot is on knock. Sorry, is on the story. I think that's mine as well. And there's, I feel like there's so many elements it can kind of get confusing, especially for a kid. Yes, but on the on the similar vein of storytelling is character building, and this, I think they hit it out of the park. Grand slam. My favorite character slash biggest surprise of the film was Olaf, in that it was weird how he ended up, I think, being the voice of one of the bigger themes of the film, which is about, like, accepting change and growing older and things not making sense. Like, he just kept making these very existential comments about... Oh, you know, isn't it weird? Like, you, as you get older, then this happens, and you remember more stuff, and it changes you. And yeah, he was kind of like the voice of he. He just talks out loud about what he's thinking, and it was so funny to me that in the first film, he's sort of just like, "Oh, what is this? What is everything? You know, I'm I just came into existence, and I don't really know." Almost like Forky asks a question, and now it's like. I've really had some time to think and, yeah. and I need answers <laughs> yes. to this stuff. And here's, here's where I'm at and kind of how I'm processing. And it's just like, I think insight into like the, the growing and changing hu- human mind. I just didn't expect it to come from Olaf of all characters. Yeah. And, and I it, love how they did And that. it was great. It because was, it was witty, but also thoughtful. Yeah. And served as like a plot device um, to further the plot. I mean, like the whole, he's yeah, the water has memories thing also water. didn't make sense, but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that kind of felt a little shoehorned in there, but definitely played a large part. Well, they needed it to kind of tell the story, but it just it came from Olaf saying, like, here's a, here's something right. I've learned. But anyway, yes, the uh, the scholar Olaf I really appreciated. Yeah, he was great. It made his song not nearly as entertaining as in summer. But True. that's okay. Yeah, that is okay. I mean, that's so hard to top in summer. Um, but we shouldn't get into songs just yet. I don't no. think. No, I apologize. Um, yeah. Although that's really just all I want to do. Um, let's talk about the music. Yeah, but I loved Anna in this one. Yes. Um, you know, and like I said, each character had a sort of change that they had to deal with, and her. Well, she was almost completely different. Of course, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, she's the same in that she's super loyal and brave and, like, yes. feels like she has to protect her sister. Like, now that they finally, you know, are so close, it's like she wants to protect that bond mm-hmm. and, ha- like, has a huge fear of losing Elsa and losing, you know, that sisterhood. Um, but I loved, and this goes into animation too, but just, I don't, you know, she's like super quirky and just kind of, they played into that a little bit, just like with her, you know, being a, not a pretty sleeper or crier. But, oh yeah, the um, ugly crying was pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just, I do love the way they expanded on, on Anna. Yeah, well, they just developed her character a lot. I mean, she, in the first one, was kind of, I don't want to say dumb, but but ditzy. almost ditzy, sort of aloof. Yeah, just kind of like an airhead. Sort of like, well, and, and it makes sense because she was holed right. up that whole she time. And, whole yeah, and didn't understand normal human interactions and kind of goes over the top when she finally gets them. And in this, she still has moments of aloofness, which mostly come from her, her interactions with Kristoff when he's trying to explain stuff and she's like, wait, are you saying this? Yeah. But, but, uh, for the most part, I mean, yeah, fiercely loyal, um, sacrificial, uh, her kind of processing through grief and, um, resolving to do the right thing despite how she was feeling, I think just yeah. was a really powerful message. And, and I don't know, she was super sacrificial in the first one. But this, right. it was just so tonally different in this one, What, how, how she acted and what she did. Right. And her song was super, super deep this time, which I wasn't expecting. It was, yeah. The it polar was, opposite of... Well, uh, it was... Sorry. First time, I was just saying, polar opposite of first time in forever. Yeah. It was almost akin to the Do You Want to Build a Snowman of this film. Yeah, but like... That do you want to build a snowman? Is such a complex song because it starts out so cheery and yeah. bright, and then you just and you're like, oh god, I yeah. feel so sad. But this one just starts. She just like starts, hello darkness, and like, oh yeah. So I'm like, oh my. Isn't, isn't just something like I welcome you or something like that. But yeah, it was yeah. like, oh yeah, it's like this is it the like, end. This is well, she just lost Olaf. Right. She, she had every she liked... reason to believe that yeah. Elsa was gone. Right. Kristoff is nowhere to be found because she she's had left stuck him. In a, a cave. Yeah. And yeah. And she's stuck well, she in this cave. she did have a way out. Um, but yeah. So whereas Do You Want to Build a Snowma- Snowman, the, the weight of her world builds in that song. Right. Whereas in this one, it's just immediately the the focus of that song. Like she's just pressed down on all sides. and Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Powerful song. I mean. Yeah. I want to listen to that one again. Um. I want to listen to them all again. I really do. We're getting ahead of ourselves again. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's all intertwined. Yeah, and it's a musical. Yes, and it's great. Um, anything yeah, else I mean, we want to talk about as far as characters? Well, you've got Kristoff's, which he was kind of the comic relief in this one. Yes. Even more so than Olaf, I think. I mean, Olaf had his funny moments, but Kristoff trying to propose to Anna the whole time was quite humorous. And his his bromance with um, the Ryder. Was it Ryder? Yeah, Ryder? that sounds right. Yeah. Was short-lived, but really cute and just kind of, I don't know, a testament of, of how guys unite over, like, 
man, I just don't really get what's going on. Like they just connected immediately over their shared interest of reindeer. And it was a fun, fun friendship that they had. But, um, yeah. Kristoff's shining moment. Well, his shining moment was his solo. Yes. That song. So love, love it or hate it. I, I don't, I know that song is not for everybody, but I loved it so much that I walked out of that movie and said, I learned through this that, that, that there's something I never realized that I wanted, that I desperately want, which is a Disney rock opera. Because yeah, that's what it was. That. It was a like 70s, 80s rock opera song. It was so good. I mean, just like because they just, the way they did it and delivered it in that like cheesy late 70s, oh, early so 80s. Good. But, this, but also the song is good. Yeah. But the way that they, they way they I mean, put we were laughing movie, at every little ch- like scene change because oh, it was just something they just I was kept in coming. stitches. It was yeah. so good. Um, as far as his character development goes, I mean, yeah, it, there wasn't much to it, but it was fine. I mean, well, he's different from the first movie. He's right in the first in one, he's love all closed and, off yeah. and yeah, you know. But now he's he's in love he's in and in love with Anna. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, and then just the, like going with the animation. I know that I'm all over the place, and it's hard to follow my brain. But this goes. <laughs> we're with, gonna have three very distinct yeah. uh, categories that, that we're, we're going to be talking about up. for this film. Except we will not actually be sticking to any sort of categorization whatsoever. Um, but going back to like how Anna, like in the ugly crying and stuff, I just the way they portrayed emotion in this and like. You know, when he does finally propose and she's just like sobbing, you know, so much is going on for Anna at that point. But like just the emotion that they get in her face and she's just like sobbing and like snorting and the emotion not and crying. It's just like it's so funny, but it's like so good. It's yeah. Well, and I was going to bring that up with the animation. I thought the emotion they got on Savin's face. I made my heart flutter a little bit. I'm like, here's his. This is his best dude. <laughs> my guy. But like when we watch it again, pay attention to Sven's face when he proposes. I mean, it's just like. I will. It's like happy dad. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Well, as far before we wrapped up, wrap up characters, I, I wonder if we should talk about Elsa a little bit. Sure. She's the queen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do. You know, whether, I mean, she was kind of, I mean, she's involved in all that, you know, those qualms that we do have. It's like she's the main thread in those that's mostly affected by that. Like she is the driving force in this movie. Yeah. And it's her journey um, to save Arendelle and, you know, figure out the truth and whatever. But I, you know, whether it was, maybe it was a little bit convoluted or maybe it was a little bit predictable. But I really loved it. I love what they did with her character. And mm-hmm. I thought she was a strong, bad A of a lady. And, um, yeah. In the first film, Anna is my favorite. But I loved Elsa in this one. I thought she brought it. And her journey was pretty epic and awesome. Oh, for sure. So, and, I mean, you know, is a lot of for her it was self-discovery and like you said wanting answers and she's trying to really find her identity and and understand herself which i think is something that people go through in life and um 
it was a it was a complex i think trial by fire for her to you know simultaneously want to protect the people that she loves but also know that she has to go and and do this thing and then through that realizing oh like i'm actually going to yeah there was save some, a people there was some moana-ness in that there was a little bit yeah like she has a she hears the call and she you know can't resist and she has to save her people and so there was a bit of a hero's journey going on with her i suppose well into the unknown right which is uh, a great song yeah well and that's like what stage three of the hero's journey or whatever like they have to enter into the unknown to discover their their hero but yeah she she is the hero of the story and i go back going back and watching it a second time i bet we'll be able to pinpoint she's pretty much on the hero's journey so I think most of the parallels to Moana are probably just the fact that they're both both on a hero's journey. Mm-hmm. It's, she just also has to cross an ocean at some point, which was interesting. Yes, but in a different way, which I really liked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's totally cool. That part. I mean, Cedric when she's you know when she's riding away on, like towards the North Island on I guess his name is Nock, the water spirit horse. Uh-huh. Cedric's like. That's really cool. Yeah, he was like, like, "This is cool. This is cool." Yeah, and it was. Yeah, and and you know, one thing I'll say, this this is a testament to the characters and plot. It's just I love how every character is really kind of on their own journey. Nothing felt really stereotypical. I'm sure there are there were stereotypes in this, but it all felt like they had kind of their own unique journey. It was a different kind of film in that sense where they were all kind of, they all had a similar objective in what they wanted to see happen because, I mean, Elsa was on this call, but once they got wrapped up in the conflict, they were kind of all like, oh, we need to solve this conflict. But, you know, they all kind of had different missions and they related deeply to their own personality. And it was cool how it was kind of flipped in the sense that that Kristoff was like the lovesick sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I need to get the girl here in this situation. And it's funny because he's like, I'm not necessarily going to do it by doing some heroic feat or whatever, but he does kind of at rescue Anna a little bit in the end. Yeah. So, which is cool. Um, but yeah, Olaf's once the existential questions of life answered and Elsa's on this identity quest and yeah, Anna's, you know, once on the, bravery kind of holding on to what she does have and learning to break free and do the next right thing i guess i don't know protect the one she loves but also be independent and bold and brave and anyway i i'm really looking forward to a second viewing in that regard where it's just like the rich character development i think is going to stand out even more yeah you're gonna pick up on a lot of stuff so um Songs or animation? You pick. Oh, I can't. You. Songs. Okay. (laughs) That's what you wanted to talk about anyway, so. Sure. That's what you said. I mean, we could have saved the songs for last, but you said that's all you want to talk about is songs. Yeah, I know. We kind of touched on them already. Um, Not as good as the first. I'm just going to say Music overall. Music was not as good as the first one. Less epic, I think. Less memorable. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard because it's like you're, you're, we're, we're, what we're going to end up doing is comparing, you know, the the iconic songs from the first one to the iconic songs. Like Elsa's Breaking Free song in this one is not nearly 
as epic and memorable as Let It Go. And really, that was a worldwide phenomenon. Right. So how, how are you be... going to even come close to that? You can't. Like, that just set the bar. I did really high. like the second number of the film, which was started by Anna. Some things never change. Sitting with Olaf, and everyone kind of had their verses, and it ended within a with an ensemble cast singing a chorus. Um it felt very much like the opening number of an epic musical, which was great. And it was not similar, actually, to Frozen 1, where the first song was the uh, break the ice apart. Yeah. Not a typical epic musical opening number, but then the following song was. Um, this one felt the same way. Because well, the, the opening song, was, or the first yeah. song was the... Um, All is found. Yes. The kind of the lullaby. The, the lullaby, yeah. With the mom. Yeah. Which was Which fine. Is, yeah. I liked it. And it kept coming up. It was relevant to the story. Right. So. Yeah, it was a pretty song. It's like, I, I really do like the music. I think it's beautiful music. Um, but less, I think, epic. And Certainly not as catchy. Right. Yeah, I'm like looking through the list. I'm having a hard time remembering how some of these songs go besides into the unknown and that i just know the chorus <laughs> into the unknown you're welcome for that um but it was i think that song's pretty pretty epic and awesome um mm-hmm. but the my chemical romance version is pretty yeah, epic and awesome as well <laughs> yeah and i just look i at usually this hate the list. pop versions of songs by the way but i do not hate the my chemical romance into the unknown I kind of like it. Panic at the Disco. Oh, what did I say? My Chemical Romance twice? I apologize. Yeah. Panic at the Disco. I thought you said Panic at the Disco the first time, but I could be wrong. Because I'm like, I don't think list. I did. <laughs> my Chemical Romance was definitely in my brain for whatever reason. Yeah. So Panic at the right, Disco. you're right. It is Panic at the Disco. And then I'm reading um, in the end credits that Casey Musgraves, who we've been listening to her Christmas album, oh, yeah. um, does a cover of All Is Found. Okay, so I heard that as we were walking out, and I wondered who that was singing it because I knew it wasn't the mom. Uh-huh. But yeah, okay, cool. That's yeah. good to know. And then Weezer does a cover of Lost in the Woods. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Kristoff song. Yes. So we'll have to Definitely keep our have ears to check out for that. that. Out. Yeah, I could just, I think mostly i don't know what i've been doing all day and i don't know why i haven't just been listening to the soundtrack all day like i said well we were decorating for yeah, christmas so we had, so we had christmas, christmas we had casey musgraves christmas huh right there you go so but nevertheless I yeah i definitely want to listen to all these songs the again. music and that's the thing is like i don't know I, I guess think about it this way if this movie had come out first i know that wouldn't make sense plot wise but this was the music yeah i it just I probably wouldn't have blown up the way that the first one did because yeah. a huge reason why Frozen 1 was so popular was Let was It Go. The, was Let It Go, yes. But, but the yeah, music some other in songs general. Too. Yeah. I mean, they have a freaking Frozen sing-along experience at Disney World. As they should. Well, they don't have There's that for any other movie, right? They're going to have the Beauty and the Beast one okay. in France Pavilion. That's what I'm thinking. And I don't know if it's out yet, but I know that's going to be a thing. But no, there, there's no other... There's other shows, but shows that just are to have you sing along with the music. That's pretty impressive. For a six-year-old movie, we're not talking about Little Mermaid that's got, you know, four things in the world to go experience. So, 
Yeah. So I guess I didn't have as much about the music to say as I thought, since we kind of touched on those songs. But definitely, like like I've said, in summary, not as epic as Frozen 1, but I love the soundtrack. And I will be listening to it. Mm-hmm. And I think they were all... They did a good job storytelling and really related to each of those characters like we talked about. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, the, it lost a lot of the fun that the first Frozen movie had, which I know my sister would disagree. She said she thought it was funnier than the first one. What, the whole movie? Mm-hmm. But I think particularly in the music is where it lost a bit of the fun. Like the songs were mostly pretty serious. Except for it lost in the woods. Sure. That that whole thing was kind of a farce, and it was great. Yeah. And then and then the second song, what is it called again? Some things never change. Yeah, there was a lot of humor in that one. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. In the first one, I just felt like the 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 songs were more lighthearted. But that being said, the rest of the film, even though it was darker, um, and just a more serious film, it had. The, the humor that we came to know from the first Frozen was done in this second one just in a different way. I'm telling you, we need yeah. a third one. And we need it to be sort of like caps this world that they've built here, but is, is that a, ends triumphantly fun. and lighthearted and fun for the most part. I'd we be into it. that. I'm, I want it to happen. Yeah. Maybe I'm trying to will it into existence. And I know those Disney executives that listen to our podcast, they're thinking, wait, <laughs> they're what like, a great idea. Great idea, Keenan. <laughs> We'll take you up on that. Hey, I took a screenwriting course in college, so if you need someone, just let me know. Whip, yep. it, whip it right up for you. Sounds good. So yeah, music. Um, it's it, The music is really good. It reminds me of how we felt about Mary Poppins Returns. I like the music more in this. I than knew Mary you were going to say that, but what I mean is we liked the music, but we felt like it just was not going to be as memorable as the first one. Yeah. However... And this is what I said about Mary Poppins Returns. I think that over time, when you're looking 10 years down the road, and you've had Frozen 1 out for 16 years and this one out for 10, uh, I think a lot of these songs, they, they might not have the same catchiness to them, but there will be people that like really identify with these songs and love them and have them memorized. And they're a part of, they've, they've absorbed them into part of who they are. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. They won't. Not all of them will be in the Frozen sing-along. But I bet a couple of them will. They'll add it. They'll update that, that show. Yeah, I bet Into That's the Unknown will get in there. Cool. Animation was awesome. Amazing. Do you think it was better than Toy Story 4? Ooh. Don't say yes. As I don't think it was. I think it had moments of Pixar brilliance. But that overall, it was not on the same scale of how maybe like, mind-blowingly not... good the animation was in Toy Story 4. Yeah, because Toy Story 4 is just like, I don't know. It's different. It's like, I mean, it's a very different movie. So it's hard to compare because there's what they did in Toy Story 4 with the lights and the carnival. Well, the, yeah, the carnival aspect. And it was amazing. But this, like, just the nature, it was just like the stuff they did with the water. And I mean... The water the was... The rocks and the fire, all the elements. It was just, I just remember being a, a video game player in the 90s and water just always looked like blocks. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, And this was back when we would think these graphics were amazing. We would still say the water looked like crap. They have mastered water. Yeah. It they figured it out. Totally real. It's amazing. 
But what? We haven't mastered water horses, but but actual water. Yeah, water horses. Um, but no, the biggest thing for me was, and I already touched on this, but the emotion they're able to convey yes. on their yeah. faces. Um, and I'm thinking about this scene where um, Anna ugh, Anna sees her mom again, and mm. the like the different the beneath level of that northern island area um when she you know she's like surrounded by these memories of her mom and like her mom is like speaking to her and like she's just like you know the thing i often cry in watching things when other people cry and they made it just so realistic with like how a person would respond in this situation was mm-hmm. so realistic yeah. of just like being so happy to see her mom and like to know the truth and, but just also being just overwhelmed with emotion and, you know, kind of like happy, sad crying. And it was just amazing. I thought what they did with that. And I was crying as well in the movie theater. Um, hmm. But yeah. So I was just blown away by yeah, facial expressions were were definitely top notch. You know, the environment was incredible. I, there were so many scenes where they the magic would occur, and I, I wasn't super impressed by the way they did like the purple fire magic stuff, and uh, just a lot of that felt gimmicky. But the um, the like some of the ice stuff that they did. I mean, I'm thinking in particular, like remember when Elsa was first hearing the call. And she goes out and she like freezes oh, yeah. everything and then it shatters. There were that just, was so and there cool. were, yeah, there were, and there were several scenes like that where it explosive feels, magic happened yeah. and it was just, and you it know, feels we're three dimensional it, yes. and you're not, and it's not. And to be fair, we did see it on the like the ultra screen, I, which we still don't know how that happened. Yeah. We paid the normal price that you would pay. We'd not pay like an extra price to go to this big screen, but that's what we got tickets for. And it was. A spectacle for sure yeah. but there were lots of scenes like that where i was just like wow Whoa. i mean to yeah. quote our son like this is cool yeah so for me those moments i think really showed off the power of their animators capabilities mm-hmm. but overall it was like great you i still mean still think a slight grade below pixar i think so but i mean i, I don't know animation has just come so far mm-hmm. and it's just crazy i mean you're watching these movies and uh, we watched a movie tonight called Klaus, and it was, I, I read it was hand-drawn. It looks like they had to have had some CGI in there, but, like, it, this, it was such, it was, like, storybook animation. It was so cool. And there's just so many tricks now that they're doing with animation that either makes it hyper-realistic or just makes it appear three-dimensional or right. makes it look like it was illustrated in a children's book. And this is not to knock the animation you know, from decades ago, that was also incredible. I mean, even like watching Bambi, it's just like, how did they draw? Right. How did they do this um, in that era? Um, but I don't know. It's particularly exciting seeing what they're how they're able to animate stuff today. Yeah, it's definitely a beautiful film with the the fall and the winter mm-hmm. elements coming together, and I thought it was stunning. Yeah, the uh, rock giants were pretty impressive. Right, and it didn't look. I mean. You know, like uh, Fantastic Four, <laughs> the rock guy. Like, it looked, you know, a hundred times better than that. And it's an animated film. Uh-huh. You know, I was afraid it like, the rock giants. I've heard, I heard that Earth giants existed. 
in this film. And I was like, okay, you know. But like what they actually did with them, I was like, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, they just make it. Well, there were some scenes in Frozen 2 where I'm like, it's so realistic. Do we even need, you know, why are we even watching animation at this point? But it's like the tricks that they do. And they, I mean, that was a stretch, but. Well, and part of the reason they were able to pull off the facial facial expressions that they did is because they make the faces pretty cartoony still. Like they have that distinct, almost like brats. Do you remember those dolls? Brats with a Z? Yeah, it's like the big, it's the giant eyes. Giant eyes and they're kind of far apart on the face. But I didn't really like it the first time I saw Frozen. That was like my one thing. I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm okay with it. It's just the way that they're animating these characters. But they can't do hyper-realistic people yet because yeah. we would end up in the Uncanny Valley and it would just be disturbing. So because they're able to do that, they're able to give us these expressions that just really resonate with humans despite being cartoonish. So it's great what they're able to do. Yep. So do we want to give overall scores? Do we have anything else to say about Frozen oh. 2? No, I want to see it again. I'm sure I'll think of something as soon as we turn the mics off. Like, oh, what about that yeah, thing know. that we loved? And I know. There will be that. There will be. But that's what social media is for. Right. So we'll give our scores here in a second. But this is a good time to just shout out to our listeners. And, you know, we definitely want to hear what you guys think. And is there stuff that you think we maybe missed? Um, are there the things that you maybe disagree with us on? Are there parts that you agree and you have better examples than we could come up with? We want to hear all of it. So find us on social media. I'm on Twitter at P-O-O-W podcast. And on Instagram, we are part of our world podcast. And we're both on Facebook at part of our world podcast. And if you comment there, we will respond. We just are not good about actively promoting stuff on Facebook. Yeah. So overall scores... Go ahead, Rachel. Um, the number that comes to mind is a 92%. But I think that you, you do a 1 to 10 scale now. No, no, no. I just did that for our um, episode where we were reviewing Disney+. Plus. Which you I'll should st- totally check I'll out. I'll still keep it the percentages. Uh, I thought you were going to go higher than that based on it's how nice. much. I know, but I thought you were going to be like 97, 98, honestly. Well, the story... Okay, because the story for me is going to put it into the B range. I think I think I'm going to give it an 89. I, Harsh. I, I'll get back to you guys once we see it a second time. If I feel like I was overly critical of the story stuff, I did go pee at one point. Maybe I missed something crucial that I came back lost. So I don't know. I just I I, I have a lot of issues with the way I felt like they tried to put it all together. I I enjoyed every minute of it. Like such an entertaining film to watch. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see but it. But I can't, I can't elevate it into A level, which to me A's are like classics. I can't quite put it there. So, I I see. Yeah. But, yep. Let us know what you think of Frozen Two. I would love to talk about this all day. So, mm-hmm. give me that opportunity. Once we see it again, I'll make sure to tweet out some sort of if we have any updates. Um, but yeah, this has been fun, Rachel. I love, uh, seeing Disney movies and talking about them with you and sharing our conversations with our friends out there. Yeah. So. And thank you all for being a part of our world. 
All right, that's a wrap. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Are you ready? Up to Neverland. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.